Time to talk a little bit about the apologists of capitalism. This is a, basically a part of the scam, which is the disinformation uh, that is promulgated by mainstream media, for instance, and by, oh, you know, Republican talking points. Uh, the Democrats almost the same, but the Republicans are a little bit better at it. Um, and, um, and, a, and a lot of different people who are all basically involved in the scam, which is, uh, people talk about conspiracy theories. Well, this is the biggest conspiracy anywhere. It's an international one, and it's real. It's a, we're not making this stuff up. Um, the billionaires are paying off the Congress. Of course, he knew that. Um, <clears throat> and then Congress is making laws for the benefit of the billionaires, and of course he knew that, and they're rigging the tax code for them, and they have, you know, they put people in regulatory agencies that don't regulate and all this kind of stuff like that. And on top of that, they have a whole private thing, like they have these think tanks, which are just really talking point tanks, and so on and so on. And this is all one giant conspiracy. And boy, would it make a heck of a RICO case. Oh my gosh. Because there's a ton of racketeering going on there. You could get your predicate crimes and everything. Seriously. I mean, <laughs> there's no one to prosecute them. But, but uh, a federal RICO against the whole United States government would actually... I mean, the law is all for it. Um, so the next time somebody tells you about you know, when you hear somebody, yeah, conspiracy theories. Well, you know, just just start in on this thing. Well, do you believe that senators take uh, money from billionaires for campaigns? And did you know that they can get, like, these leadership packs and stuff and they're allowed to spend the money themselves? So they actually put the money in their own pockets? Take their friends out to lunch on it and stuff? Yeah, there's conspiracies. The apologist of capitalism, uh, we met him, you know, way back in grade school. Uh, and I'm, I'm not talking way back in grade school, I'm talking the 60s, right? Uh, you maybe uh, went to grade school a little bit later than that. Uh, but the, the apologists of capitalism tell you, like, uh, Margaret Thatcher's line, there is no alternative. Well, that is that's a, just a, a, an incredibly ridiculous statement uh, by one of the two, of course Reagan is the other, people who absolutely wrecked Western democracy, if you want two of them, one in England and one in the United States, just a full bore attack on what little was left of the the New Deal, and then, and then, of course, it just went on and on. I went, all of them since then uh, have done the same thing. We, you know, you don't get a McGovern or a, um, or a McCarthy to vote for anymore. You get Bernie, and they and they make him give up. 
which I, I don't know what the deal is with Bernie. I guess I, he told us we had to have the courage to take on Big Pharma and all this kind of stuff, and then all of a sudden Obama whispered in his ear, and he gave up. I mean, people were ready to risk dying from COVID to vote. That's not would you might as well because they're going to kill you with climate change. The alternatives certainly is socialism, and certainly is communism, which has gotten the mo just this incredible bad press. And uh, ask this out. Esha Legal says, I, I think it's 19, she says, capitalist countries attacked the USSR after it was formed. Uh, England, the United States, this is everybody. And the reason that they do this and the reason that they attack countries like Venezuela is because the fact is socialism offers a much, much better alternative for the people of countries in South America than what neocolonialism does, which is kind of like saying there's a better alternative to sore feet than cutting your legs off with an axe. Basically, anything is better than neocolonialism. But, uh, but a socialist government's where it's at. These are the poverty eliminators. Uh, China is the latest and most impressive of all of them. Uh, finally really carried out its, uh, its mission. And so we had to hear all these lies uh, in order that we shouldn't uh, bend towards the left uh, and there, thereby uh, spoiling this nice cheap labor, uh, high-priced goods, uh, uh, capitalist uh, exploitation of the working class where 1% of the society gets like the lion's share of its benefits and then makes everybody else suffer f so that they can have 10 yachts or 20 yachts or 30 I mean, What are you going to do with it all? What did, why did the three biggest billionaires, why did they get, and, and a parallel to that, why did they even want another trillion dollars, which they got um, over the first year of COVID? Uh, money that should have been spent on, uh, on the unemployment that they say is going to keep you from working as if anybody just wants to get unemployment. Uh, and an aside on that, uh, I saw something, and I, uh, I would encourage you to check the figures because I don't have them in front of me and, and uh, I haven't gone to the trouble to look them up in detail myself, so I'm not quoting them to you, but I think I saw $315 a week someplace. And there was some kind of a claim like that, well, see, a few people, and they tried to make it sound like it was more than 1% or something of the workers, were getting more from unemployment than what they had gotten when they worked. Apparently, it wasn't really very many. Well, they get, didn't get very much more. And um, so I got some questions here um, for you to ask these people, and that is, 
Tell me something. When I'm on unemployment instead of working, do you continue to pay into my Medicare and Social Security contributions? Or does every uh, month that I spend on unemployment actually cut into my uh, lifetime Social Security pay-in uh, and, and therefore potentially, I, they have a crazy weird algorithm, but potentially cut down on what you'll, you'll get when you're old, which is not going to be very much, by the way. You're going to need it. Because I think they're going to have to say, well, yeah, of course unemployment doesn't pay into Social Security. Of course it doesn't pay into Medicare, right? Okay, well, those are big contributions. Social Security is 13.5% of yours and 13.5% of what they say is the employer's, which, of course, is, just comes right out of whatever... Uh, they can beat you down to pay-wise, uh, you know, so uh, it depends on how you want to look at it, but uh, the way a lot of people look at it is that you really, the employee is paying the whole 20, 26%, because uh, unless you assume that that the employer would just simply keep another 13.5%, or I think it's, yeah, 13.5%, pretty sure it's, um, would just keep another 13.5% if the, if he wasn't taxed that, which is not what they say, right? They would say, oh, no, no, we uh, we would pay you more, you know, so uh, they put their own foot in their mouth with that one because now... Um, you can take 26% of that unemployment. It's really the inverse. So it comes out to be a little less. It's like 20% or something. So if they gave you the 315, well, that corresponds to actually only being paid uh, like, uh, uh, what is it? A, 230 or 240 or something like that. In other words, the two, you can't just put the two numbers against each other because one of them has big deductions coming out of it. Um, which means that that uh, uh, they were lying about how much you got um, from unemployment. Now they want to take it away from you and force you to go back to work and eliminate the whole point of uh, unemployment, or maybe not the whole point of it, but one of the biggest arguments for unemployment is that because you can live on it, you don't have to take the worst job you could, just any job that you can get the minute you get laid off or fired. Um, and that's, uh, of course, is a good thing for the economy because it means that you don't have all of your skilled workers out there, uh, you know, sweeping the floor because that was the job that was available the day they needed a job. And the fact that this guy is a tool and die maker doesn't mean anything because he had to get a job today, not tomorrow. And unemployment is supposed to fix that. Unemployment is supposed to make it feasible for people to move to other parts of the country. To, to get a job somewhere as things change. And things have changed a lot with a year of uh, most of the workforce, you know, being out. Uh, 
It's been tremendous changes. And yes, we have the money. If we can give $10 trillion to uh, Wall Street for bailouts, we can also give, what? What did Biden ask for? Not even $2 trillion over more time than he'll even be in office. I mean, that's just totally ridiculous. Let me give you a reasonable, right, Green New Deal on infrastructure. It's all the same problem. You solve all the problems in one, you, it's one big solution. It's like the IWW, one big union. We just take it all in. We put everybody in the union. Uh, so Green New Deal then is the big solution where uh, we take care of changing over to green energy and we provide jobs changing over to green energy and we take the displaced coal workers and have them clean up the messes that the coal companies left behind and we, have, we take the... Uh, the oil company uh, guys and stop building pipelines and start putting up windmills and, uh, and solar cells and all this kind of stuff like that, a new power grid, and all these things together. And uh, the the people that just want to get in the, in your way, this, the apologists of capitalism, are like, where are you going to get the money? How are you going to pay for it? We'll pay by electronic transfer, thank you. That's stupid. We we spent ten trillion. We should right now be spending somewhere in the vicinity, I think, of oh, about half of normal GMP. So you figure at least a half a trillion a month. Right now, uh, we should be buying up. The land for the solar plant, uh, for the solar farms, and um, and uh, setting up the factory production and uh, laying out the additions to the power grid and all the rest of that kind of stuff like that. And of course, we can stop the uh, subsidies for fossil fuel power, and we can tell the automakers we just can't make any more gasoline cars. You just can't do that. Now, the federal government will give you a huge order for electric cars because we're going to buy this little cheapo thing that's kind of like a Subaru Brat for uh, the poor people, and we're going to finance them however we have to. We give the big banks money at zero interest, so or, or a tenth of a percent, so we can do the same thing for workers. Well, we could do all that, uh, but they say that we can't, and the reason that they say we can't is in order to preserve their conspiracy. So, uh, they're back to, um, you know, the, well, even uh, um, JFK ran on this missile gap where the Soviet Union supposedly had more missiles than us, which it never did. And then, um, I remember really wondering uh, when I was young, I say young, you know, like under about 25, why is there so many people in the world that don't like the United States? Well, because it's a repressive empire that murders people all over the place and overthrows your government and takes your resources without paying and enslaves your workers and you know, stuff like that. And it just, that's funny, uh, some people just don't like that kind of behavior, you know? Uh, 
Part of the propaganda says that capitalism is the most productive sort of economy that there is. Okay, let's just take a quick... I don't want to beat up on coal too much, but understand, I'm not beating up on the miners. The miners are great. Love the miners. Definitely, I'm in solidarity with them. They better... We've got to find a job. I will be on the picket line with them. Uh, but not, not to reopen the mine, but to but to give them uh, a job and let them uh, give the American dream back to the workers. I want to see that before I die. Thank you very much. Um, coal is basically a con game in this sense. I read a case uh, when I first started in law school um, about a, a coal company, and it was like, somebody or other versus, I think it was Peabody Coal. They contracted to dig a big pit on this guy's farm, and then when they got the coal out, they were supposed to fill it back in. When they got the coal out, they refused to fill it back in, and the court, uh, in an act of prostitution, not adjudication, said that we had this economic efficiency argument not based on anything and there's no law in it right that said well it doesn't make sense because it's too expensive to fill the hole in so they the the peabody can just pay them for the damage to the farm so you know the fact you you didn't have to make a deal but you made a deal and the deal was supposed to end with you getting the family farm back, and it and it ended up with you not getting the family farm back ever, and it becoming just a polluted hole, big, dirty hole full of dirty water with filthy black creeks and all that kind of stuff. Fact is, we have to clean up after the coal companies now. And it's just part of Green New Deal and, and saving the environment and all that stuff. We're going to just have to bite the bullet. No, we should certainly confiscate as much money from the coal companies as we can to pay for the damage that they unlawfully did. But you have to realize they don't have that much. And I'll give you another one, too. And I, I think on some real back-of-the-envelope uh, calculating, uh, which you can re-examine and see. Uh, my off-the-cuff guess is that by the time you take what used to be a coal mine and totally reclaim it, uh, clean up the creeks and get all the garbage out of them, fill the holes back, grade everything out, replant it and all the rest of that kind of stuff, it's going to end up costing more than what they got for the coal they took out. Now, it doesn't matter if that's right or not, but it could be. It could be right. And even if it's not, those things are what in economics they call externalities, which is where the, uh, the company is not required to pay for dumping their trash in the neighbor's yard and so they economize by dumping their trash in the neighbor's yard and then somebody else has to clean it up 
their profit could be less than the cost of cleaning up the trash heap. Okay, but they can still, it's still part of GNP, and so is cleaning up the trash heap. So you do something where you actually produce a negative amount. That is, you produce a billion dollars worth of coal, but it takes two billions worth of dollars worth of digging and, and burying back. And that's at the at exploited labor prices, not at what the actual value of the labor is. So uh, there's not there isn't any gain at all. But on the uh, capitalist companies' books, there is this enormous gain, and so they say, well, it's the most productive uh, uh, economic system ever. It doesn't produce anything. Here's another reason uh, why this is the same uh, uh, the, the same thing going on in a little bit of a different way. You have uh, a bank uh, overdraft fees, which are part of GNP, right? So they say that they created that money. The other thing on top of all of this is let's look at the economy without money. And I'm going to come back to this in a later podcast, but it's one of my old techniques for seeing how things really are is I say, okay, wait a sec, stop counting pennies and, and look at the picture, look at the real goods, look at the actual real economy and ignore the money, which after all is just electronic transfers anyway and see if that shows you something that you were missing in the distraction of counting all these pennies. And oh yeah, there's like you're missing a lot. That is, when you say it's the most productive, you have to have a definition of productive. And any philosopher will tell you that you always got to start out defining your terms. Okay, so what are your terms and how are we defining this? I would suggest that the purpose of any business is to further the interests of society. We permit people to have businesses. We allow people to go to the Secretary of State's office and create a corporation on payment of a fee and the filing of a few sheets of paper called uh, um, uh, bylaws and articles of incorporation. And that's basically the, the articles of incorporation is the how are we going to start this thing in the bylaws or the constitution of the company. And they can be for any lawful purpose. In fact, bylaws often just say that. Um, which means that no, Milton Freeman is lying to you when he says that they have to to pay uh, profit to the shareholders. No, the shareholders don't have to do that. You can form a corporation which promises to never pay a dividend. Never, ever, ever pay a dividend. It says, no, we're just not going to do that. And I don't even mean a non-profit. You could use a subchapter C corporation to do that if you wanted to. There's nothing illegal about it. And the stockholders would know what they were buying stock in. Uh, they, they can read the bylaws. You, somebody says, 
let me see the prospectus and they look at it and they say this is weird this company doesn't ever make a profit no it's, it was founded for some other purpose okay so what is the purpose then why does society allow businesses to be created well, one thing is we want Ma and Pa to be able to have a grocery store because they should have the freedom to do that. And that explains why we allow free enterprise and basically anybody that wants to haul off the neighbor's trash for 20 bucks or, uh, or go and clean windows or uh, have a vegetable stand or something like that. It's a good thing for society to just let people do that kind of stuff. Corporations, it's a little harder to see why they contribute to society, but it's clear that society having the choice of either permitting them or not permitting them certainly could just say, we don't think there's any use to them. They don't do anything that we want done, so we're not going to let you have one. Okay, so the purpose of a corporation is to offer to the people that want to form one, or any business entity, it doesn't have to be a corporation, is to offer the people who want to form one the opportunity to do one, to create one if they wish, according to such laws and regulations and everything as society finds necessary to make it a contribution to society rather than a detriment to it. And, of course, that's, well, Wall Street is a detriment to it. So we've got half of our economy now nowadays, which is just a, a, an evil parasite. But that's not, what, uh, that's not what companies are really for. Companies are for the people. And, and of course, the people that form them have to be encouraged by the fact that they can make some money at it. If they play by the rules, they can make some money. Well, by that definition of a purpose, capitalism is really not very productive because capitalism is always leaving, you know, well, yeah, you know, Chevron went down to Ecuador and made like these, these huge polluted tracts of land that go on for miles and miles and there's all this oil and the creeks are all covered with oil and the wildlife is all covered with oil and everything is all covered with oil. We've got pipeline leaks that have been that have been leaking for years. Tremendous amounts of oil being leaked and they don't even shut them off. I mean, this is stupid. What they had the that uh, pipeline that they just discovered was leaking some ungodly amount of oil. Some kids on bikes went and found it. Apparently, something like that, and found this oil all over the place, and they reported it. The company didn't even know. Now, <laughs> that's what they say. Okay, but. If you ever worked in the oil field, you would know that, for instance, okay, offshore, if you have like six different companies with production platforms that all pump into the same pipe, how in the heck do they know how much of that oil belongs to who when it arrives at, 
at the shore at the uh, um, that big uh, Gulf of Mexico. Uh, what do they call it? The loop where the super tankers pull up to these kind of dock-like things that are way out in the Gulf because the super tankers draw so much water they can't come anywhere near the shore. And uh, so they come out there and they take on just astronomical amounts of oil. And they know how to pay, who to pay and how much to pay them. Well, if you, if you ask people, well, how can they do that? People will just go, oh, well, they've got these, like, super advanced, everything is all, like, hyper technology. I mean, it's the greatest in the world. And, you know, they can measure the flow rate of each one of those production platforms down to, you know, like, several digits and, you know, better than slide rule accuracy. They know exactly how much oil they're pumping. Okay, so now they know exactly how much oil they're pumping into this pipeline, but it's leaking millions of gallons of oil all over the landscape. And now they say, oh, we didn't know about it until those kids came along on their bikes and found a big lake of oil that you can see from space, probably. No, I, I don't think that's right. I, I, don't, I don't believe that. They just don't want to fix it. They would just rather go ahead and ruin a bunch of acreage and then say, oh, it was an accident. We can't, we, you can't expect us to pay for that. See our insurance company, and they'll box you up in court, and then, and if you get a judgment against us, we'll just do a Stephen Donzinger on you and have you arrested. That's a, a an incredible story, Donzinger. Uh, just, just bizarre. Okay, you got a huge uh, Ecuadorian judgment against Chevron, and then they they got a federal judge to just lock him up for contempt and it's like there's no there's no due process involved they just do it and don singer is just sitting there with this thing around his ankle and can't do nothing and it's on the alternative media but it's you're not going to see it on cnn or msnbc i'll guarantee you that one d-o-n-z-i-n-g-e-r is the guy's name and um He's on Twitter, if you want to message him. And um, you can donate to his defense if, if you got any money, if anybody does. Of course, the people that are trying to get him are, have certainly got money. Well, so, it, then this, this most efficient of, of uh, economic systems it's not really so efficient at all. It's only efficient as measured by the income statements of the company itself from within our little box here. This is profitable. Chaos reigns outside. Other people are losing incredible amounts of money in, in, in their lives. And, uh, you know, we go, you know, these, uh, uh, if you heard of the scandals, if you don't listen to alternative media, you don't hear anything, but um, 
this there was a bunch of business about these uh, uh, like Volkswagen I think and I don't know what uh, uh, BMW I think it was a bunch of these companies created firmware for their cars that turns back a result that says they're not polluting when they actually are. In other words, they fake the pollution results on the per car basis. So you're driving around in your car and you say, hey car, are you polluting? And it says, oh no, not me. And in fact, it doesn't even come close to meeting the standard. And, of course, you know, after making $100 billion on it, they'll probably be fined 50 or $60 million, you know. There's a kind of a standard rule. You take uh, uh, a factor of 1,000, you know, three zeros, um, and whenever big corporations get in trouble for something like bribing foreign countries or whatever, they never pay more than one... Uh, than one one thousandth of what they stole. And usually it's a ten thousandth or a hundred thousandth. The, the fines are just basically a joke. They're just a fee for, uh, um, for generating the bad publicity. But uh, now people say, oh, well, you know, that, that's just uh, the, the, those it's so inefficient to have to all this stuff to put on the car to make it not pollute. Okay, but you can look at air pollution, and there is, uh, and there's a, uh, just, you can, here's another thing to look up, and uh, so you'll have it from the horse's mouth, but you can chart out wherever the air pollution is bad, you, the death rate from like emphysema and stuff like that is way higher then you can basically say there's a relation there where you can say if you make the concentration of this, that, and the other thing so many parts per million more, you will kill X number of hundred people with emphysema and uh, whatever all these other uh, uh, breathing disorders are which may or may not have been caused in the first place uh, by the pollution, but they're certainly, the, the pollution is what kills you in the end. Okay, so we're talking about people's lives now. Uh, if you took however much, I mean, what would it, let's say, what would you charge uh, 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 like some, uh, oh, I don't know, um, uh, smelting company that they make some really dirty air they say well you know we don't like this best available technology nonsense that's in the clean air act and of course we've gotten out of complying with it for centuries but well, not centuries but you know what i mean decades and uh we don't want to comply with it what do you think of us just not bothering with that i mean it's just and let and we but we can just personalize it and say suppose that instead of knowing that you're going to kill X number of people you knew exactly who was going to die right so somebody comes to you and they say hey Mr. Podcast listener thanks for being one 
And uh, Mr. Podcast listener, uh, you have you have a kid that's uh, he's uh, seven months old. Yeah. Well, what would you charge uh, the USA Smelting and Refining Company um, for a waiver of the air pollution laws, which will kill your kid? How much would you? What would you take for him? And seriously, I mean, these people are so out of it, that's about what they'd ask you. They, as far as they're concerned, a human life is just, a, it's just something that they can buy. Well, I don't think that very many people would sell their kids at all, and if they did, it would be for like some incredible amount of money. Or maybe people would be willing to sell themselves, you know, like some people might say, Okay, you know, I'll go down for a billion dollars and then you're going to have to like, you know, uh, here's where I want all my money sent when I die. You know, friends of the earth and, um, you know, some kind of thing for Medicare for all and stuff like that. Well, essentially, when, when it comes through uh, from, you know, from, uh, labor theft or, you know, paycheck theft, uh, and, uh, plundering the third world for assets and, um, uh, vast structural legal system that's set up to vastly underpay workers, you know, like a third or a fourth of the value of labor that, the workers actually do polluting the air and the water and ruining it, the use of these precious resources like for unimaginably long periods of time thousands and thousands of years and then when it gets up to nuclear power of course you're talking like what uh, millions of years uh, the half-lives of the half-life is like you know well Plutonium, you know, if the first uh, lung fishes had had run a nuclear power plant, which they were too smart to do, they uh, would have the plutonium that they made would still be dangerous today. So that would be your uh, that would be all of your uh, externalities, externalities. Uh, when you put all that stuff together, actually. It's as simple as this. Capitalism has failed everywhere it's been tried. Because did it eliminate poverty? No. Did it produce goods and services that, that society as a whole needed? No. What did it produce? Ridiculous wealth in the hands of a few who have no use for it. This last time they got trillions of dollars, they, they said, well, I don't know what to do with it. Let's just go and buy back some of our own stock. And then the price of the stock will go up. And then our bonuses will be bigger. And then we can put all that money like into the stock market. And so stocks are way up. And, and then they turn around and tell you, well, the economy is actually good because the stock market's doing well. Unemployment's not all that high because most of the people who are don't have a job 
actually gave up a long time ago, there is no job. They know there's no job. And so they don't count as unemployed, you know, so that in, in all practicality, really, you know, we're in a depression right now. And when, if, if and when, uh, we get coronavirus under control, uh, which I don't think is a, at all a, a given, because apparently we're the United States isn't even trying to figure out how to make sure that Mexico gets taken care of. So long as we maintain a large reservoir of infected people anywhere in the world, coronavirus is going to keep coming back. And what's going to happen is these variants are going to come along and they're going to vary enough to where the vaccine doesn't work for them. Or they're going to do some more of this stuff. It's, it's not a settled issue yet. Uh, but it, it's beginning to look like they uh, there's this thing called... Uh, Oh, what is it? Not an enhancement of function, something, change of function, where you mess with a, a, a virus and you actually make it worse. And then that teaches you how to deal with the next pandemic if something like that comes along, you already know. But the problem is if you spill some. And it looks like uh, there's a good chance that it did get spilled in Wuhan. And if it did, Dr. Fauci and some of his best buddies are all implicated in this um, something of function business. Um, so the very people who have now been uh, detailed to, to tell us how coronavirus started out are the same ones who are like basically the chief suspects that uh, they may have been the ones that caused it. So that's capitalism. There's a lot of money in, in uh, grants from the federal government going into all these kinds of research, like the virus research. Uh, and those are all increasing GNP, and they're all part of the amazing uh, engine of capitalism that creates all this wealth, uh, but it's just wealth that uh, almost no one has access to to use. Uh, isn't that nice? <laughs>